The Division Series is taking flight. Now it's going to fly south, and it looks like the Padres are not going to be laying an egg. That's right. I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of bird puns because guess what? It's time for Locked On MLB. Locked on MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Honk. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am indeed your host. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan, but if you're reading my lower third right there, rare it is, feel free to call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a stand-up comedian and a bunch of other things, and I have been a podcaster for the last 10-some-odd years of talking about baseball, and for the last four seasons, I've been doing it as a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pod, same handle for Instagram. And you can follow me on my personal account and Twitter right there. Ooh, there it is. Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, we knew there were going to be birds involved with this October. Heck, the Orioles made a run for it. And the Cardinals and the Blue Jays both made the postseason. But one bird made it to the division series. And that's a goose. We've seen geese in baseball before. Goose Goslin is in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and his single ended the 1935 World Series when he was a member of the Detroit Tigers. On the field in Los Angeles, it's not the first time a goose haunted the Los Angeles Dodgers because... In 1978, the World Series was closed out by Hall of Famer Goose Gossage. Heck, in the 1980s, Goose Goza was a prospect in the Blue Jays organization, briefly part of the Mets, was involved in a strange trade that involved the Mets acquisition of David Cohn. And today, there was a goose. And my listener, Callie, says, the goose was loose. That's right. Nick W., another listener, says the goose kind of looked like Craig Kimbrell landed on the field. And do you know what? I would trust that goose in a major situation more than I would trust Craig Kimbrell at this point. That's right. In the middle of the Padres-Dodgers game, a goose was just hanging out on the field. Now, I was listening to the game, and Charlie Steiner incorrectly identified it as a duck. It's not a duck. I know ducks. I know plenty of ducks. I know 150 ducks. This was not a duck. This was a goose. And the goose was just hanging out. Made me kind of wish I was a goose. The goose had great seats right there on the field. And eventually was chased out. But I don't know. I bet he went up to the upper deck. You know what? You got those L.A. Dodger geese. They arrive late. They leave early. But the fact of the matter is, the goose arrived at an opportune time for the San Diego Padres. In fact, I can't help but think about squirrels 
because the last time, or maybe one of the last times we saw a mismatch in the division series this great, where a team ran off 100-some-odd wins and was looking to cement itself as one of the great National League runs of all time, only to be thwarted by an unlikely team that snuck into the final spot and was aided by the arrival of an animal at an opportune moment was when the Philadelphia Phillies were trying to cement themselves as an all-time great National League team in 2011. But alas, the rally squirrel showed up and the St. Louis Cardinals rallied and ultimately stunned the Phillies in that one nothing game of which Carpenter outdueled Roy Halladay and the Cardinals went on to win the World Series. Is this a good sign for San Diego? The rally squirrels in 2011, we got the rally goose this year. Well, look at the fact of the matter is the Padres did indeed win. And whether or not it was the goose or the fact that they had good pitching, outstanding defense and timely hitting, I don't know. Maybe one has more to do with the other. The fact of the matter is the Padres, who looked incredibly overmatched throughout the regular season. And last last night uh, or on game one, you know, held their own, but ultimately lost the game. Today, the Padres won. Now, it was a game where um, Hugh Darvish was not his dominant self that he was against the Mets. Pitched well enough to get the victory, did strike out seven in five innings, but he let up nine base runners and three runs. The Padres put the Dodgers on the heels. They were up one run before the Dodgers even came to bat with a home run by Manny Machado. Machado had Kershaw's number. Machado homered and doubled off of his former teammate, or his teammate who was briefly there in the 2018 World Series run. But it was the bullpen that did the job. Suarez, Martinez, and yes, Hader with a four-out save did the job, and the Padres held on to win. The Dodgers, of course, did have their share of highlights. Freddie Freeman made, uh, you know, he homered to tie the game early. And you also had um, home runs by Max Muncy and Trey Turner. You also had Bellinger making a bizarre circus catch. But you also had some strange moments in the game. You had a attempted squeeze play that Gratterall thwarted with a throw home. You saw some great defense. And you also saw some lousy defense. There was error, a key error made by Trey Turner, and Mookie Betts was caught stealing. There was a little bit of sloppiness from the Los Angeles Dodgers, who at one point when I when they beat the Padres in game one and they took the lead, they were up two to one, and then later tied the game three to three. I really thought, geez, maybe this is a Dodger team that could be running the table. But alas, the Padres have taken home field advantage, and they will fly south like said geese and have Blake Snell, who Bob Melvin will probably pitch until he's good and ready instead of pulling him needlessly in the sixth inning. Gonsolin is slated to pitch in game three. Gonsolin, who had a fabulous year for Los Angeles, but is coming off of an injury, and you don't know how long he's going to go. Now, Snell has pitched well in some games, not well in others, 
But suddenly, the Padres are in a situation where that game three very well may be in their favor. The bullpen's playing well. They've got their home field. They've got the goose. And if the Dodgers fall behind two games to one, now look at the LA Dodgers are the best record in baseball. The LA Dodgers had uh, so many things going for it. And even if they fall behind two games to one, I still think LA will find a way to win. But give the credit to the San Diego Padres for dusting themselves off. Give the credit for the Padres not crying foul. I got a million of them. This feather in the Padres cap, I've got to stop, was one which makes it look like the Padres might be making a series of this after all. We've seen massive upsets over the years. Teams that were the number one seed be supplanted by teams that couldn't win the 90 games. I mentioned the the Cardinals in in, in, in 2011. Okay, they did win 90 games, but take a look what happened a few years later with another wildcard team, the San Francisco Giants, who were a sub-90 win team in 2014, beat the top-rated uh, Washington Nationals, and boom, made a run for it. Look it. This is still the Dodgers league to win. And this might just be a hiccup. But this also could be the sign that, hey, the Dodgers totally dominated the Padres in the regular season. But this is not the regular season. In 1988, the New York Mets totally dominated the Los Angeles Dodgers in the regular season, only to see the Dodgers go on to win the pennant and later the World Series in one of the least likely World Series runs in 1988. Keep an eye on the Padres. They're a talented squad, and they oddly have the home field advantage and the pitching advantage for Game 3. And then they switch their uniforms, and they switch their shirts, and they're wearing their home jerseys for Game 3. Things might be different. Now, I'm thinking about switching shirts because sometimes I have trouble getting the best shirt that I want to wear at one point and at another point of the day. Sometimes I have to change shirt. It's a pain. You know, I want to wear a shirt at work, I want to wear a shirt at home. Do you know what? Sometimes you got to think about a new way to have a shirt. And the dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention. And Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt. Is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. And here's why. Mobility is everything. Roan controls how you wear it and how you feel with comfortable four-way stretch fabric that breathes perfectly and flexibility that gives you that sense that you can take whatever life throws your way from your commute to work to 18 holes of golf right underneath the windmill. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. And Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt, and it's that easy. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight to whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash LockedOn to use promo code LockedOn to save 20% off your entire order. 
That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash lockdown. Use promo code lockdown. It's time to find your corner office comfort. You know, there was another game that happened on um, Wednesday. And it was one that included a lot of goose eggs being thrown. Okay, I've got to stop. Philadelphia and Atlanta locked antlers. And yes, it was a huge game for the Braves. Because if the Braves lost and were down 2-0 heading back to Philadelphia, knowing they'll have to face Nola, um, that would be a catastrophe. There was a long rain delay. It was almost three hours long, the rain delay. They prevented the game from starting on time. And once they did, Kyle Wright and Zach Wheeler's started throwing goose eggs at each other. And and the amazing thing is that through five, I think both pitchers had each thrown only 50 pitches, and there was no runs. And there was like only a grand total of three hits. I mean, it was brilliantly played, and the, the, the pace of the game was fantastic. It's amazing what happens when you have two talented pitchers throwing the ball well. Now, it... Oddly, there was only one inning the entire game where there was any offense. It was the bottom of the sixth inning. It was an inning where there was two outs and nobody on. Wheeler looked like they were going to cruise into the seventh innings, still 0-0. Then he hit Acuna and hit him hard. And you could tell he was in pain. And he even couldn't put that little oven mitt thing on, which they use when they slide. And it was... uh, you know, it was kind of disturbing. Like, okay, what are they going to do? Are they going to bunt him? Are they going to, you know, he looked hurt, so you're going to even have him run? And then hit, 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 and the Braves wound up putting three on the board. Trevor Sarno got an RBI single. Matt Olson got an RBI single. Riley got an RBI single. Three RBI singles. Next thing it was three nothing. And in the end, that was it. Wright was as advertised. And look at, I mean, Wheeler pitched very, very well, just like how he dominated the Mets. He pitched very, very well. He had one bad inning. If he got out Acuna, it would be scoreless going to the seventh. And who knows what we'd be talking about right now. But as it turns out, the Braves managed to escape. And they did so not just with a brilliant pitching by Wright, not just by Kenley Jansen, who I'm not a big fan of as a closer, but he did the job today but also some unbelievable defense. Uh, Riley made a great play along the third base, you know, the, the third base line or the third base stands near the, um, the, the netting. But I think the play of the game was Dansby Swanson, who made a diving catch where the ball was falling into that no man's land between shortstop left field and center field. It looked like it was going to be one of those, Jorge Posada off of Pedro Martinez in game seven of the 2003 ALCS type of doubles. Yeah, that was specific, but chances are if you're a baseball fan, you know exactly what hit I'm talking about. But Swanson and Riley changed the trajectory of some of the innings with those spectacular catches. Wright got the win. Jansen got the save. Hard luck loss for Zach Wheeler, and now that's tied one-to-one. Now, you got to give the Phillies credit. They went into Atlanta. They did exactly what they had to do in one sense, and that is they got the win. They have home field advantage, and the two teams play each other on Friday afternoon, and Nola is pitching. Now, Nola is an outstanding pitcher, and he helped shut down the Mets the other day, 
And if he is able to win that game and put the Phillies up two games to one, then this is an absolute thriller. Now, you have two teams that won 100 games that are still in the playoffs in the National League end with Atlanta and Los Angeles. And both of them are going on the road for game three and in a pitching matchup that favors the other team. This Friday is going to be a wild day of baseball with the Phillies and the Padres having a chance, each having a legit chance to take a two-game-to-one lead. Now, how weird would it be with all the races of the Mets and the Cardinals and Los Angeles and Atlanta, all the stuff like that, if the NLCS is between the Padres and the Phillies? That'd be weird. But oddly, it's possible. Both teams have the advantage, pitching-wise, in Game 3, Both teams have home field advantage the rest of the way. So, you know, the fact that Hayter came out through that four uh, batter save shows that they've got their closer back, that he's pitching like, uh, you know, like the all-star he was. Do you know what? I'd be a little nervous if I were Atlanta, and I'd be a little nervous if I was Philadelphia. In fact, one of my listeners, Nick W., just said, L.A. might just have goosebumps. Sorry. That's right. The goosebumps are now being sent in uh, from my from the listeners. Uh, Nick W. wrote, Mariners should feel inspired by San Diego after this triumph. Seattle needs to even this series to have a chance. That's right. And you know what, Nick? We are going to talk in the final segment about the games that will be going on today, which is Thursday the 13th day of October, 2022. But the National League, you know, we, I mean, has the National League had a clunker in this postseason yet? Okay, well, one couple of the games between the Mets and the Padres were not exactly thrillers, but it was odd because there was so much emotion going on in that, and that was the one series to go the distance at this point. It's going to get very interesting. The teams with the 100 wins, and the aura of another L.A. Atlanta National Championship Series is on the line, making the games being played today all the more thrilling. The games being played today on the 13th, uh, there's two of them. you got the Mariners and the Astros. Now, as Nick W. pointed out, look, at the, obviously the Mariners had the game until two outs in the bottom of the ninth, Jordan Alvarez hit that dramatic home run, which was the first two-out, come-from-behind, walk-off home run in the postseason since the Kirk Gibson home run. I believe it's the only the only other one. Um, Joe Carter was with one out. Castillo, who pitched brilliantly in that first game against Toronto, is going up against Fran Valdez, who had a remarkable season. This is a fantastic pitching matchup. It really is. And, you know, the the Mariners are hoping that Castillo will be able to shut down the Astros and be able to just head back to scamper back to Seattle in a similar way that San Diego and that uh, Philadelphia are moving forward. Astros are tough. 
Astros are very tough. Now, the most intriguing matchup could be happening in New York. Shane Bieber is the Braves' ace, and he's been pitching like an ace. But guess what? Nestor Cortez Jr., who had a great start, stumbled a little bit after the All-Star break, but righted the ship, is, I think, the guy they should have started in game one. But in the end, the decision to start Garrett Cole, it, it, it was fine. He did a wonderful job. He pitched like an ace. He really did. He pitched. He got out of that one jam where they load the bases, and he got out of that jam, and he just had Cleveland's number the rest of the game. Now they have a rest and ready Nestor Cortez trying to take a two-game to none lead in that series against Cleveland. If New York wins, then this series is all but over. If Cleveland wins, then it's still interesting. Bieber has been pitching great. The former Cy Young Award winner has been, you know, quite frankly, living up to the hype. So this is Cleveland's best chance to take the series back home with home field advantage. They played a sloppy game in game one. And one that, you know, quite frankly, they deserve better than what their defense gave to offer them. But we're going to see. Absolutely, we're going to see. And we're going to have a great matchup, so we're going to have some great fun because it is postseason baseball, which is, sorry, Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. And so we are not going to be having the goose for Christmas. Not yet. We are going to be looking forward to see what other foul can show up at a game. So thanks so much for listening. I'm just thrilled that we're getting great baseball to follow and something weird like a bird coming up as the Padres goose the Dodgers. Honk. So follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods. Same handle for Twitter and Instagram. And if you're following me, where's my lower third? I had a lower third. Where's my lower third? Oh, yeah, it's right here. Um, you can follow me. I'm your Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Praising the birds. And loving that the postseason is unfolding in an unpredictable way. This has been Locked On MLB for the 13th day of October 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.